This is just something a couple weeks ago when I was praying. I was just doing some, I was actually just doing my normal daily Bible reading, and I came across this passage in Romans 5, and I felt like, I thought, I think this is the last message I'm going to preach at the church. This is the scripture I want to share. And so what I want to do is I want to take a few minutes and unpack Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And I believe that we're going to find some encouragement in it. Hopefully, when we leave church today, we'll be strengthened a little bit more in our walk with the Lord. But I want to pray. So let's pray. Father, I thank you for today, and I thank you for this opportunity to be here. I thank you for the honor it's been to be here for the last four plus years. I thank you for the love of this church. I thank you for the ministry of this church. And uh, Lord, I pray that today would be a special day in our hearts. I pray that today, God, would be a place that you meet us, that you would open our eyes and our ears Lord, to anything it is that you want to bring emphasis to, anything that you want to communicate to us through your word, and that we would be strengthened in our walk with you, and, uh, and that, Lord, at the end of the day, Jesus would shine bright, and he would be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 5.1. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we exalt in hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we exalt also in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character hope. And hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. I want to spend just a couple of minutes talking about this idea of justification before God. If you are banking on admittance into God's eternal kingdom based on your good works, you are going to be gravely disappointed. There is no one here that's going to earn their way into heaven. We aren't that good. The Bible says that our righteousness is as filthy rags. We are aware of our own shortcomings, if we're just honest with ourselves. We're aware of the places where we've compromised our lives and where we've sinned. Yet, the Apostle Paul says that we've been justified in the sight of God, but it's not based on works. It's actually based on faith. And so I want to unpack the word justification for just a little bit. And really the best way for you and I to understand what Paul is talking about it's important that we understand and we know how does the Lord relate to us? How does the Lord relate to you? When the Lord looks at your life, who does he see? What does he see when he looks at you? How does he feel? What does he think? Have you guys ever had thoughts like this in your life? These are important thoughts. These are like eternal thoughts. And when the Lord looks at us, because of the finished work of the cross and what Christ did for us in dying for our sins, the fact that we have received Christ as our Lord and Savior, for those that are, I'm not assuming everybody in the room is born again. I pray that you would be born again, but I know that there very well may be somebody here in the room today that you're not there right now. Maybe you've not been given an opportunity to receive Christ as your Lord and Savior. But for those in the room that are born again today, the Lord relates to us 
because of what Christ did on the cross for our sins, just as if we have never sinned. We are justified in the sight of God, not by works, but through faith in the finished work of Christ on the cross. Aren't you thankful for that? It says we have peace with God. If you, in your life, and I'm sure that you have, probably more times than you care to admit, have had seasons and moments in your life where you have not had peace in your life. And uh, the lack of peace, sometimes we spend great, uh, great amounts of money and go really far distances to try to find a place where we can experience a little bit of peace. How many people have done that, right, in their lives? We call it vacation. We want to go to a beach somewhere. We want to do something. We're looking for peace in our lives. Last week, we were up in Palmer, my son Corbin and I, and we had driven a, a borrowed trailer to Palmer to drop off our first load of household goods. And I offloaded the trailer. I spent the night in Palmer at my daughter's house, our oldest daughter, as I said. She lives in Palmer with our fa- her family. And I got up in the morning, and one of our family members had misplaced a pair of shoes. It wasn't me. And we couldn't find the shoes, and I was having to get on the road to get back to Kenai because I needed to work, and I had things to do. And I was frustrated because we couldn't find the shoes. You know, sometimes we feel like we've got the weight of the world on our shoulders, and you need the people around you just to keep track of one little thing, right? I love you, Corbin. And so, <laughs> I'll make it up to you later. I'll get you an ice cream. So... So, so anyway, I'm frustrated. We can't find the pair of shoes. I get in my truck, and I'm towing the trailer, and I'm on the phone, and we're trying to track down where was the last place these shoes were. And I'm like, I thought I saw them with them. I'm like, where are these shoes? we got to get going. I can't bring a, you know, a barefoot boy into the gas station in Girdwood. That will never work. I've got to have some shoes on my boy. And, uh, and so anyway, I'm frustrated, I'm mad, and I'm driving down the Palm Wasilla Highway trying to track down the last place where these shoes might have been, and I'm mad, I'm upset, and I look in the rearview mirror, and the trailer that I'm towing has come unhitched, and it's bouncing down the road behind my vehicle. Bad day. Turn to your neighbor and say, bad day. Bad day. And I'm like... Oh my goodness. I mean, I was already not in a good spot, and then I was, it was increasingly getting into a really worse spot. And I pulled over, and I'm upset, and I'm frustrated. I have to hang up the phone. I'm like, I gotta go. My trailer just came undone. And I hang up, and I pull over on the side of the Palmer Wasilla Highway, and, and I'm just upset, and I am fit to be tied. There was peace nowhere around me at that time. And uh, it was obviously a very dangerous situation. Thank God for the safety chains. That's all I can say. If those safety chains had given way, it it could have been deadly. It was a terrible situation. There was a part that failed inside the trailer on the, on the hitch of the ball of the trailer, or not the ball, but on the receiver of the trailer. And uh, I didn't know it. And anyway, long story short, I am so upset. I pick up the phone, and I'm like, Rachel, I am having a really bad moment right now. And she says, well, it's just a moment. Can I pray for you? She didn't say it's just a moment, but she did say, can I pray for you? And I'm like, yes, please pray. And so she just prayed that God would help me in that moment. And it was amazing in that 
the few seconds that transpired between the incident itself and my wife actually taking a minute to pray for me, how everything shifted. I felt peace come back into the situation. I felt a, a sense of awareness that, okay, we can make whatever adjustments we need to do and get back on the road and fix the problem that needs to be fixed with the trailer and all those things. But it was amazing so many times in our life where we go down a dark road and we get into a dark hole and we feel like sometimes the day, have you ever had one of those moments and things, you start off your day and it's, it's not going so good and by 9 a.m. it's really not going good and then you're like, this day is going down the tube real quick. Have you guys had those moments in your life? You know, it doesn't have to end that way. Your whole day doesn't have to tank. And you can actually take some time and stop in the midst of the chaos and just ask the Lord. So God, we sang a song beginning of the service that the Lord brings order to our chaos, right? And so I felt like, man, the Lord brought a little order to my chaos in that moment. And I was so thankful for peace. Now, that's a momentary circumstance that I'm talking about having peace in, in our lives. But the most important peace that you and I need to be contending for and pursuing in our life is having peace in our relationship with God. When you and I, should the Lord tarry, get to the end of our life, in the moment before we draw our final breath in this body, there's not going to be anything more important to you than being at peace with God, I assure you. And peace with God is so vital and so important in our lives. And the Apostle Paul in Romans 5 says, We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This is so important for you and I to lock a hold of and be a people of faith. As we grow in our walk with the Lord and we mature, I would expect, it only makes sense, that as we grow and we become more Christ-like, that our faith is stronger as time goes by. Now, if you're anything like me, when I first came to the Lord, I, became, I was born again and gloriously saved from my sinful life that I used to live and experienced forgiveness because of what Jesus had done for me. My faith was huge. I felt like I could move mountains and raise the dead and do all kinds of things. And then a few years go by, and my faith doesn't feel like it's as strong, and I, faith is not a feeling, but sometimes we relate or we our faith, we determine our faith by how we feel, which is a big mistake in our lives. Our faith needs to be built on the facts, on the truth of God's word in our lives. And so in a real way, in a real sense, I want to challenge you. How are you in your faith? Where are you at in your faith? Are you convinced that God honors his word? Are you convinced that this is the inspired word of God? And this is important for you and I in our lives. And, and we should be people, we need to be people that are growing in our faith as we get older because we have experienced the Lord's faithfulness. I would, I would guess, as I would talk to you in personal conversation in this room, and I would ask you now, how many of you have experienced God's faithfulness in your life? Because he's faithful. We can trust him. And so, so much of faith has to do with trusting in the Lord. 
It says this in Romans 10, 17, and I'm talking about growing in our faith. It says this, so faith comes from hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Your faith is directly linked to listening to the words of Jesus and engaging with Scripture. The Lord will open your heart as you, if you come before the Lord with an honest, open heart. He will minister to you and cause your faith to grow so that you actually believe him for the things that you read about in the scriptures. I certainly, how many of you have trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior? So what you're doing there is you've read something, you've heard something that was taught out of the Bible, and because that, you put your trust in the message, faith became alive in you, And the Bible says that that faith causes us to be justified in the sight of God. So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. Pastor Steve, when he goes to heaven one day, many years from now, I believe one of his greatest attaboys that he's going to receive from the Lord is his consistency in encouraging you as a church to simply engage with the Bible for yourself. That's so important. It's such, a good, it's such a good thing. Because here's the deal. You can come to church to hear a word preached from the Bible, and you can embrace it, and you can celebrate it, and that's good. But really, the nature of our relationship with the Lord at the essence and the core of it, it's personal. If you don't, with your own eyes read these words for yourself and believe it in your own heart for yourself, it has very little value to you. So when you engage with Scripture, and we talked, how many of you were here a few weeks ago when I talked about the Sermon on the Mount? I challenged you guys to engage this summer with the rest, that Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. As you give yourself to that, you will grow. You might not see the growth right away, but over time, your life will change. The words of Jesus have a way of getting in your business. Have you ever read something and you're like, oh, I don't want to read that today. It makes me very uncomfortable because it gets into the thoughts and the motives of my own heart. Jesus says all kinds of things. He says, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. If your hand offends you, cut it off. What's he saying? Why is it there? What's going on in allowing the tension of Scripture to bring you to a place where you're challenged in your life? I would suggest to you, you will not grow if you're not challenged. Our human nature is to push the easy button. Pastor Steve, a couple of years ago, when we were dealing with all the craziness of COVID and how it disrupted things so much, and I was trying to navigate a lot of the media stuff, he bought me a button that every time I pushed it, it said, this is easy. And my kids came into the office, they'd come visit me, and they'd push that button, and you know what? That button broke. I knew it was time to move on when that button broke. <laughs> but being challenged causes us to grow. And it's not a bad thing to be challenged. It's actually an opportunity in our lives. And if you're like me, when I was an early a new believer and I would experience challenges in my life, I thought everything that came my way was a satanic assault in my life. 
And I was binding demons and casting out the devil left and right because I thought every hindrance and every challenge I was facing in my life was spiritual opposition. And certainly, there were places in my life where there was spiritual opposition and the enemy was resisting me. But there were other challenges that were in my life, i.e., the challenge of actually not just being a hearer of the word, but being a doer of the word and actually practicing the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount that weren't there because the enemy was attacking me. The challenge was there because God was wanting to grow my character and make me more like Jesus. And so this is really, really important. This is all linked to our faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. How many of you have faith today in the house? Hebrews 11.6, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who seek him. This is so, so very important in our lives. The next thing I want to draw out in this is living a life that is intentionally glorifying God in our lives. I, Rachel and I went to breakfast with a friend the other morning, and while we were at breakfast, we started talking about the subject of prayer. And while I'm talking about prayer and we're listening to one another and the different stories and the different things that we're praying about right now, a couple of days earlier, I had been thinking about just the nature of my own personal prayer life and what it looks like. And I've concluded a lot of my prayer life is simply just surrendering to God. These things, giving up things that the Lord doesn't want me to have at this season for one reason or another, or, or surrendering my will to God's will. I think we read somewhere in the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus taught his disciples to pray this way. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's desire for us is to live our life in unity with him on his terms and, and for the purpose of living out his desired plan and purpose for our life, living for the glory of God. The Apostle Paul says, we exalt in the hope of the glory of God. You know, Jesus is coming back, right? He's coming back. And we want to live our lives in such a way here and now, but also with the hope of the future that we don't live for ourselves, but we actually live for God. I want you to know the deepest satisfaction that you will find in life is not living for yourself, but living for the Lord. Who is sitting on the throne of your heart? Are you on the throne of your own heart, or is Jesus the Lord of your life? And I have found when we keep Jesus front and center, that he has first place, and when he has first place in all things in our life, that even though there's challenges, even though there's difficulty in our life, there's great peace that goes with that, but there's also the satisfaction of knowing deep down, to the best of my ability, I'm doing my best to live according to what I believe God's will is for my life at this time. How many of you want to live for the will of God in your life? It says this, that we exalt in the hope of the glory of God, and not only this, but we also exalt in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint. When I was 18 years old, I, the day after I turned 18 years old, I raised my right hand, and I enlisted in the U.S. Army for four years. I did about eight or nine months of training, and my first permanent duty assignment as a late 18-year-old boy, and I would call myself a boy at that point because it's going to tie in this story, 
is I got sent to South Korea. And while I was in South Korea, when I got there, it was early summer, it was monsoon season, it was raining cats and dogs. I mean, it was terrible. So much rain. And uh, you think we've had a rainy summer here? I'm telling you, we had a rainy summer in South Korea. And the unit I was in, we were doing training. We did what soldiers do. We trained for war. God forbid that we actually go to a war. But in the event that we do have to go to war, you want soldiers that are prepared for battle, right? And so on July 11th, 1990, I am sleeping in the back of a military truck in a monsoon waiting to get up at like oh dark 30 at like two or three in the morning I was a cook you know Rachel was a cook in the army too and uh when we met it was love over the grill wasn't it sweetheart (laughs) now we don't get to cook together in the kitchen because one of us is always right and uh, (laughs) we just don't so we have our assigned areas in the kitchen. And I didn't mean that. I'm the one, Rachel. It's my fault. So anyway, <laughs> she says I know. <laughs> Somebody please take me to lunch today. So, so I'm in the back of this truck. It's raining. I'm about to get up for my morning shift at like 2 a.m. We're going to make some breakfast for some soldiers. And a mosquito bit me on the lip. You ever had a mosquito bite you on the lip? You know, sometimes you have those really bad mosquito bites that you just don't forget because they annoy you so bad. And uh, I, I had like, my lip is feeling kind of fat because I have a mosquito bite on it, and it's raining cats and dogs, and I'm getting up, and I jump out of the back of the truck into like a mud puddle, and I go to start preparing breakfast, and I realize it's my birthday. And I thought, this is the worst birthday ever. And I was hating life at that moment. I didn't want to be there. I wanted to be anywhere but where I was at that moment. It was such a bummer, downer of a moment. I'm walking around trying to celebrate a birthday that no one else seemed to have any appreciation for whatsoever. And with a fat lip and a rainstorm. But what happened was, when I joined the military, you know, and I say this, I had a lot of growing up to do when I was 18 years old. Jesus certainly wasn't the Lord of my life at that point. But when I went through many, many challenges while I was in the military, one thing that the military did, and, and it helped me because of the challenge that were presented my way, was it helped me to grow up. I think I, became, from, I went from being a boy, and the military helped to shape me to be the man that God was calling me to be, even though I had yet to come to Christ at that point. But what it was was the challenges that we go through in our life causes us to grow. It says that we exalt in tribulations, knowing that tribulations brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character. You want to have proven character in your life, learn how to persevere. Perseverance is not for the faint of heart. Perseverance is for people that are willing and understand there's an opportunity that's before me and I'm going to face the challenge of it. I'm not going to hit the escape button. And listen, I, there's been times in my life where I have quit in the middle of the process. One thing I have found that even when we quit and we tap out prematurely, in certain situations when we're there. What happens is the Lord is so gracious, he'll give us another opportunity. Because he loves us and he's committed to our character development. And he wants what's good and what's best for us in our lives. 
And so because he loves us, and if at the end of the day, you and I as Christians, if we don't quit, if we don't give up our faith, if we don't quit engaging in our relationship with the Lord, if we don't, even when we fail, Proverbs 24, 17 says, a righteous man may fall seven times, but he gets back up. If we can be a people, even when we blow it, that will know where to go when we fail, we won't lose. If we don't quit and we keep the faith, we will win. I think I'm looking at a room full of winners right now. We will win because the grace of God will sustain you. The grace of God will keep you. The grace of God will bring you forward. It says this, it says, proven character, hope, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. In the last four and a half, almost four and a half years of being here at Kenai New Life, I want you to know, just personally, my experience with many of you has been that I have felt, and I know, just through my experience, that you guys I felt very loved by you as a church family. And I want to encourage you with that because if you've ever been in a situation or in a relationship or you've been in a place where you did not feel the love, how many of you, you've you've dealt with a grumpy waitress or you've been in a difficult situation, you're like, I'm not feeling the love today, right? But, But I have felt the love. And I commend you for that because Scripture teaches that The fruit of the Spirit, the first thing the fruit of the Spirit is identified of as in our lives as believers is love. And one of the things that we're called to do as Christians in our life is to always grow in love. You want to know if you're successful in your following of the Lord and following His Lordship and leadership in your life? You will be a person that continues to grow in love. Love is the indicator Do you love your enemies? Do you pray for those who persecute you? Do you love the person who annoys you all the time? Oh my gosh, God's working on me, right? So, but if we'll grow in love, and Jesus said this, and I think it's in John 14, the world will know that you're my disciples by the love that you have for one another. This isn't love that says it's okay to live a sinful lifestyle, but this is biblical love. This is sometimes tough love. This is the love that says, Scott, I value my relationship with you enough that I will come to you and talk to you about the problem I have with you, that thing that you said to me the other day that offended me or that thing that hurt me in my life. That's biblical love. But with all that being said, I want to commend you. Church, you have loved me well, and I am indebted to you. It has been an honor for me to be able to serve on staff at this church and to work with Pastor Steve. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for just being who you are. And I want to encourage you to continue to grow in love. The last verse I want you to bring out, if you'll find out in Galatians chapter 5. And it says this, for in Christ, verse 6, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but faith working through love. Faith working through love. We talked a lot about faith this morning. And my encouragement to you is to continue in your life forward to be a people that love the Lord with all of your heart because God calls us to love him that way because that's how he loves us. 
God's not asking us to do anything he would not or has not done himself for us. One thing I've realized and recognized about my own relationship with the Lord, there are many times in our walk with the Lord where we sign up all over again. It's like we say yes to Jesus all over again. We make a recommitment, a fresh commitment of our life to the Lord, of putting God first in all things in our life. But I want to encourage you, sign up again. Would you sign up for the Lord again? Would you make a fresh commitment in your heart today to live life according to what God's plan and purpose is for you, according to his word? Let's be that people.